Welcome to the Empower Your English Learner podcast, where we explore research, instructional strategies, leadership practices, and community initiatives that move the needle for English learners in school systems around the country. If you are a teacher, a school-based administrator, a district leader, or anyone who wants to do more for this group of students, then we are your home. In these episodes, we will explore ways to actively engage English learners in learning in the classroom, how to empower them so that they can achieve at higher levels, and how to ensure that they're more engaged and connected in the school community. We look forward to going through some ideas with you in our upcoming episodes. Hello, my name is Sandra Blotner, a 26 veteran in the field of public education. And we've been meeting a couple of times together now, just talking about what are those things that can be done to make a huge impact to improve outcomes for English learners. Um, I know that in past sessions, we talked about how we might do a root cause analysis process and engage stakeholders in the process. And most recently, we've been talking about collaboration. And I've been sharing with you some of the work we've done in our district at the district level to really make sure the collaboration is happening across teams. Um, in the last session, we talked a little bit about the work group that we pulled together to really get stakeholders grappling with the challenges that we're facing to address what we need. And I shared with you the process and the project charter that we developed and the process that we followed to get it approved. So today, I want to stay with that topic a little bit longer. And I want to actually talk with you about what did it look like? What did the meeting structures look like? So um, we actually convene these sessions after school hours, and we try to make sure so that we could maximize the number of participants, both from schools which after their duty day, and also from the community so they could participate, and also central office. So that was really helpful. We did try, as far as the meetings, to have them in different locations. So sometimes they were in the central office, other times they were actually located out in schools and that just made sure that we were able to kind of be in different parts of the county so that um, those participants were able to engage and they were able to just be part of the conversation and we just made sure we kind of sent information out ahead of time. So when we talk about these meetings, and again, I tried to make sure that most of them were about no longer than two hours. So within a two-hour block, you know, we would make sure we covered some things. So some of the first meetings, when we ha held those, it was kind of like, let's establish the purpose of the meetings. Let's talk about the charge statement. Let's look at some data together. So we looked at our grad data. We looked at our achievement data. We looked at what had, we had noticed from some of our we had a system where we, we kind of looked at district level data and we had a dashboard. So looking at that dashboard to see how this group of students or English learners were performing was really important. And then disaggregating them into those that were 
currently in the ESL program and those that used to be in the ESL program. And that was really important. Um, so that was one thing that we did. We also wanted to make sure that we went back to language from the US Department of Education. They had a Dear Colleague letter about what programming should look like for English learners. So we talked about that a little bit. We also went into, and this was really going to be a, a bulk of the time that we spent was kind of talking about the instructional model. So we, before we did that, we went to the definition from the US Department of Education around what are those different instructional models for English learners. And in a future session, we'll dig a little bit more into instructional models because we can go so, so much deeper down into that rabbit hole, but for you to really understand, like, what are those different options for English learners that are research-based? So we looked at that. We also spent some time looking at the standards. Now, for us, it was WIDA. So we looked at the WIDA standards. We looked at the performance of students at different levels. So there are some things called the WIDA can-do descriptors. And we looked at that. We looked at student samples. And we used the, the rubrics to kind of get a sense of what it meant to be um, a student who's functioning at level one, two, three, four, and five. And so those were just some of the conversations that we had. We also, since we had done that study, remember we talked about that root cause analysis in the past, in past episodes, we also had that team look at that data, look at some of the feedback from our stakeholders, so from our principals, our teachers, our community members, um, our students to see what they were saying. And then we also had them really kind of dig into looking at some of the data of what some of the benchmarking data was telling us as well, so that they had a full picture of past things that we've done. They had a sense of what we know as far as what is expected of our English learners. And then also just kind of understanding the context based on the law. So those were some of the things that we laid out. Um, let's see, some other things that we talked about was we just made sure that we also, since we really wanted to look at the program and make some redesigns to it, we did want to hear from them about what do we know about our students who are in English courses? What do we know about our students who are in ESOL courses? What are we seeing? What are the patterns and trends in the data? So those were some other things that we actually had looked at as well. Um, another thing that, and this I wanted to really kind of like hone in and, and focus you in on uh, are subgroups. So we realized that, you know, when we pulled together all of these different stakeholders from middle school and high school and elementary and central office and community and students, again, we would, did not get a consistent student, but we did try, um, and parents and, and so on, when we did, and teachers, we try to make sure that we also were thinking about those topics that were in our action plan. Remember I talked about um, the fact that we had a, an action plan around the instructional models and master scheduling. We had another one around professional development that would be needed that would tie back to those models and master scheduling. We talked about counseling and um, the international office. We talked about parents and students and we really wanted to make sure 
that we were thinking about all of these different aspects as well as how we were going to communicate that to everyone. So just to kind of give you a sense of what we did for those that were in subgroups and we had the larger group that would meet for some of the time and then during that two-hour block maybe we would have a 15 or 20 minute time where the smaller groups would meet. The group that was focused on instructional models they really wanted to look at research, they looked at the MSDE guide, the um, guidelines that we had from the state, they looked at um, you know how the students were doing at different proficiency levels and all that was kind of informing the process, looking at patterns and trends across different states. We looked at professional development and again those are state guidelines, um, looking at the recommendations that um, we had based on what we knew the model might look like and so we had a group um, and then we looked at counseling. We wanted to make sure we were thinking about especially those international students coming in and how were we going to be um, interpreting credits and awarding credits and you know pending versus um, whether they were going to be pending and then go to the school and they figure it out or do we help them before they go to the school, right? Um, and then what are those supports that parents needed to really help to better navigate the system and also understand what high quality instruction looks like? So those were just some of the things that we addressed. And just to kind of give you a sense of how we organized it, we had um, a table that included the column that had the information about each of those different areas. We had charge statements for each of the different teams. And then we had some guiding questions for them. So that way, as they were working, they were able to kind of have the conversation keep in mind the main purpose of what they were setting out to do, had some guiding questions to kind of keep them going through their conversations. They had a capture sheet where they would be capturing information and then we would have some times and they would report back to the larger group. So that was a structure that really seemed to work well. One thing you do need to know, and this is this will probably be something that will impact you if you're also trying to do some changes in your instructional model because changing instructional models can be so intense and so um, impactful for everyone in the school system or every school that it touches, many of them really wanted to be involved in the um, instructional model discussion. So it ended up being that we had those other subgroups and the instructional model one, we ended up kind of blowing that into like the whole group discussion because everyone wanted to say, well, what do students at different proficiency level needs? Um, and how are we going to make sure that we're grouping students? And how, what is the length of service that we're going to provide? And what does that service look like? So those were all questions that everyone had. And at the end of the day, everyone wanted to be part of that conversation. So it wasn't a simple thing where we were able to say, oh, yeah, we're just going to have a breakout session working on that. But we really wanted to make sure that everyone had a voice because that parent um, community worker, that teacher, that principal, that um, community member all wanted to be able to have a voice as to what that looked like. Well, I hope this was helpful for you again. As you're being that systems thinker, as you're being a change champion, you understand the importance of making sure that you're understanding that you cannot change one thing without changing 
everything in some form or fashion. And you also know that if you want to be a change champion, you've got to look for bright spots. You have got to look at how you are approaching the change effort and how you're engaging various stakeholders in the process. And then ultimately, in order to be that effective innovation implementer, it's so important to make sure that you're understanding that the answers to the questions that you are seeking are in many heads. Well, hope you got a lot out of this episode and got some ideas about how you can approach the change efforts in your district. Until next time, be well. Visit us at createsolutions.us and let us work with you to develop diverse learners and leaders so that they can become change agents in their fields of study and industry.